Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? <laughs> Look, dude, the sun is shining. It's like... The allergens have filled the air. All of the grass in the neighborhood has gotten green. And, and mowed. Filling in. Uh, no, man, this is it for me. This is like, this is the time of year when I go from mildly depressed to just happy and ready for life. And just fixing to work because your front yard looks like shit. What happened to your front yard this winter? Oh, man, it it did. It We got some, I had some infestations, some moss and shit. Uh, but I've seeded and I've put peat moss over the seed. I think it's going to be great. I think it will balance out. I mowed my front lawn today. And I was so pleased yeah. with all of last year's efforts. There are no bald spots anymore. Yeah, I, your, your lawn looks great. Yeah, I actually think our lawn looks good still, but uh, it's going it's to take spots. a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in a month. They're your, all filled in. lawn will be great. Everything will be great. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm doing really well, Andrew. Genuinely, I'm drinking beer. I'm hanging out with a person I like and, and another person. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really well. Uh, how are you? I am... Good. I was super productive today. I spent several hours in my garage um, just taking bites of the elephant. Because mm-hmm. the garage has been neglected. Yeah, your garage has gotten out of hand. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, it has. Easy it, way to say it. Mm-hmm. It got way out of hand. And I spent several hours in it today just taking bites of the elephant. It does not look different, but it is. But it, you know it's different. I know it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mowed the lawn. I made terrific steak and smashed potatoes for dinner. I had a great day. And I'm here drinking beer, hanging out with two people that I like. Fuck off. I'm a little nervous about our guest tonight. Yeah, it's a little bit of a wild card. Yeah. But, you know, we like that. We'll see what happens. So... With that in mind, and without any further ado, I'd like you to intro- I'd like to introduce you to a writer of Worn and Wound, Mike Razak. Welcome to the Forty and Twenty podcast. How are you? I got so much shit about I, that, Mike. I it, I got not shit, but continue to get people who say <laughs> intentionally that I white write for Warner Wound and not a blog to watch, which is the actual site I write for. I thought you wrote for Hodinkee. But I, 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 you know, I actually run all the watch sites. Most people don't know. So I'm like a shadow puppeteer. He is the shadow government that we're all concerned about. It's Mike. Yep. Deep of watches, though. Right here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I said it I said it on the following show when I made our correction. Um there it was just one of those things right i just said the thing i know who you work for and i know the difference between Mm -hmm. the two companies it was just uh you know one of those things you say and and you never think about it again like who cares that's right that's right (laughs) i didn't think about it until you sent me a message you're like everett i keep getting congratulations today for my new position at warn and wound and i was like oh boy (laughs) <laughs> and and to be fair, I don't know that we've had, I don't know that you've been with us since you joined the team at a blog. To oh, watch. it's been, it's been ages. So why don't you um, yeah. now officially accept your role with a blog to watch 
tell us what you're doing there and kind of what you've been up to. I don't know Thank the last time we had Mike. Give us an update. Uh, so I have I had two kids. <laughs> A terrific goatee. Um, yeah, great goatee, much to the chagrin of my wife. That's how good you know um, it is. Yeah, I'm my my exciting, most exciting update is uh, for my full time day job. We just moved to a new building, and I have fully furnished my office uh, with two chairs I got on Facebook Marketplace, uh, but they're from Article, which Everett, I'm sure you'll know. I do know Article. I feel like goodness. Yeah, I feel a little bit let down that you haven't shared a picture of this office. That's the kind of thing we would share in our in our that group is. chat. Well, in being in the office, I've actually had to work. No. So, which is why you may have noticed a change in my frequency there. Um, but I also got a uh, wall mural, and then Will got one, too, of some really cool watch picks. Uh, so that was cool, too. Uh, and after I furnished my office today, the second-in-command of our entire department came down, and I said, do you want to sit in my new chairs? And he said, you're not supposed to have those. We're all supposed to have the same chairs because there's supposed to be consistency throughout the office. And so so you have I'm just waiting for them to take them away. Two consistency chairs in the corner and then your chairs mm-hmm. at your desk. Just to pull them out if the grand poobah comes by. So I'm not oh. one of these anti-work guys, but that seems dumb. That's government shit right there. That seems like a it's really It's 100% what it is. As you know, I do work for a municipal government and uh that is 100% exactly what it is uh that was my immediate thought was well that's dumb and the chairs you provided are plastic and don't have arms and i have to meet with people from other agencies and that's garbage they deserve to sit in a comfortable chair man yeah for goodness sake you know my so my firm obviously not government uh but as you walk through you know we've got we got 10 different offices and as you walk through the office Every single office you walk into, you're like, oh, this, even if you didn't know, even if the names weren't on the door, you'd know whose office it was based on the decor. And I love that. It's, I think it's magical. I'm a little sad about your, your terrible Kafka office. Well, every, every, I mean, my office is phenomenal. Until they take um, away your, but, your chair. But the, sig- the signature of my office is definitely the scent. Um, you know, I keep it funky in there so people know <laughs> M- Mike works around here. Do you have chairs that are just a single stick that you're supposed to sit atop? Is that what is that what his complaint was? Sometimes it feels like that. Yeah. Okay. That's all, all plastic, no arms. So Yeah, all plastic, no arms. No <laughs> seat. Pole. All pole. <laughs> well, good to have you. Uh glad good to hear to be the here. glad to hear the update. Um, we asked you to come on today because neither of us was able to attend wind up in San Francisco, but you, you were able to attend wind up in San Francisco. I did go. And you said that you might be interested in coming on and sharing your thoughts. I did. So tell us, so, 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 so first, have you been to the San Francisco wind up before? I hadn't. I've been to uh, both of the others. I've been to New York many, many times. I mean, uh, I think every year it's been held since 2017. Um, and the Chicago I went to last year. 
So first time in California, period, Mike? No, uh, but first meaningful, certainly the first meaningful trip, that is where I wasn't passing through to go somewhere else, or I, I went to a wedding there, but through San Francisco and North. It's a beautiful wedding, but I wouldn't say I experienced any significant part of the state uh, except for its northern beauty. Like Napa um, or something? Yeah, 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 that that area. Oh, and I guess I did. I visited an ex-girlfriend there once, but again, that was at the Culinary Institute out there. Was um, she an ex-girlfriend at the time you visited? It, she was not, so okay. I visited a girlfriend okay. who is now an ex-girlfriend. Right, yeah, fair enough. An important point. That is an important question. I'm like, that's an interesting. Let's. I'm. I'm intrigued. Let's. Let's hear that story. What'd you think of San Francisco? Man, uh, I'm sore. Yeah, a lot of walking. A lot of hills. A lot of. A lot of hills. The walking, not the problem. The the hills. Um, It seems like there are multiple points in that city where you can do turn in 360 degrees and every single degree is an upward hill. <laughs> that's, that's how it feels. Yeah. Um, we had beautiful weather. Uh, my friend Neil and I, uh, ended up, uh, taking the mornings and walking around kind of the show area, maybe a, not, not too far astray, but, um, doing some photography, which was really cool. Um, and so, but yeah, it's a, it's not a getting as far as Golden city. Gate, et cetera. It's a good photography city. It is. Yeah. Did you go to Alcatraz and reenact any scenes from The Rock? I did not. We reenacted those at the Embarcadero. And, you know, a lot of people obviously hollering at us. This isn't where that happened. Stop it. You're not Nick Cage. <laughs> but you could you be. Know, that That's not what Sean Connery sounds like. <laughs> well, well, uh, great. Great. Um, we've kind of laid out a bit of an agenda for the show tonight, but I yeah. think we we have the opportunity just to kind of freeform it. So as a longtime attendee of Worn and Wound, uh, or Wind Up, excuse me, and someone who's been to the recently, I think, expanded is a fair word, New York Wind Up, what were your initial thoughts about the show, the overall vibe? Um, what would someone expect if they were going to going to go to San Francisco next year? Yeah, so this, uh, I was talking to Zach Weiss, who's the um, one of the co-founders of Born and Wound, kind of the creative lead, and uh, he was telling me this was the largest show. Um so they expanded ever you were there last year it was on a single floor they expanded it upstairs oh okay which is really yeah which is really cool so um what that meant was more breathing room downstairs so Christopher Ward basically had an entire end to themselves like the, a, an entire end wall to themselves um and there was a lot of space for brands to be creative so Fortis kind of had a mini boutique corner upstairs and they had a floor to ceiling i'd say 15 by 15 um fortis you know vinyl adhesive poster 15 feet by 15 feet i should clarify 15 inches by 15 inches wouldn't be impressive super dramatic um so (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. um so it certainly pulled people in because they'd have to go get close to read it um, you know, big anchor brands like uh, <laughs> Oris and Zodiac had 
huge. Aurus and Zodiac always bring, I think, every single skew they have, which for Aurus is, you know, 400 Aquases, and for Zodiac is uh, 400 Seawolves um, and the Kermits. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's a really cool space, and it's just, uh, if you've been to any of the other shows, it it's that same uh, enthusiast-driven vibe. Um, all the brands are more than happy to talk. Um, you know, having been to several shows, I am at least friendly with several brands. And so it's always nice for me. It's very much a social event. Um, there was, you know, so much so that I neglected to look at watches from some brands, um, right. and then heard about them afterwards and had to kick myself about that. So really social vibe and the layout really works. Um, <laughs> big open bar panel and discussions in a lounging area, which is what they had in uh, Chicago, which was central. And I know they're trying to improve that in New York for next year. So. Yeah. Yeah. New York last year, I thought it was a little bit too removed from the event, right? You had to go to a different place and it was kind of hard to get there in order to see the, the panels. With the space difference, one of the one of the issues that I had with New York this last year was it was like shoulder to shoulder, like going to your local county event center for any number of shows. There was not you could move from one brand to the next without really seeing that you had changed brands. Suddenly, you're just yeah. at a new table. You're at almost a conveyor belt. And is this were, were there more brands in this bigger space, or were, were brands just able to like kind of put their elbows out and and have a little bit of space to to be independent of one another? Yeah, it was a, a little bit of both. I mean, it was the most brands they've ever had, um, and I think they're they're getting really to the point where it's not so much uh, that they can just say, yeah, you can come. Yeah, you can come. Uh, they're really going to have to be really, really choosy and turn down brands that say, I have, I have the money. Well, I I can, I can Um, tell you that I can tell you that as a brand owner, it's not as a new brand owner, it's not really practical to get into wind up right now. Like it just, you just can't do it. it. It's expensive. It, well, um, not only is it expensive, but they just simply they're vetting they're vetting hard. Yeah, and 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 that's not going to change. And the, the interesting thing is, you know, new, your experience of New York is exactly what they were trying to get out of. And I talked to Zach in New York, and I talked to Zach uh, this year, and you know, I know for he was already frustrated with the space uh, in New York last year, their first year there. Um, they're actually going to expand downstairs to allow a few more brands, but just open things up in New York. But it was, it was a, a as was Chicago, um, San Francisco allowed for just a little bit more breathing room. Um, you know, in addition, the, geographically, Chicago and San Francisco are a little bit more, they take a little bit more of an effort. They're not in the middle of nowhere, but it's not, um, you know, the New York show is just, in the middle of the city, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty easy to get to. Um, but I think it's that makes it harder to get to because you're 45 minutes from either airport. In, in New York well, or in, most in Chicago. Don't come from the airport, Andrew. <laughs> I guess I'll fuck myself. 
Chicago and San Francisco, you just don't have that same kind of gap between an airport and and almost any venue you're going to get to in the city. Well, it's not that close sure. to the airport. The San Francisco show is not that close to the airport, but it, I, I think San Francisco just feels like a more accessibly navigable city than New York, at least for me. Because New York I, is daunting. I'm, I'm not used to that. New York scares the shit out of me. That type of commute and... Yeah. But I mean I I think the the vibe was great and the space worked really well. The there was a little bit of a impediment coming up and downstairs because uh on Sunday the uh Zodiac put up a big screen and showed both basketball games. <laughs> I was given to understand that there's some sort of playoff tournament happening in professional basketball it's right mar- now. It's March Madness. Yeah, that's March what they call Madness. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, that keeps they keep dragging that on, don't they? <laughs> well, well into May at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it, it it does occur to me. So we talked a little bit of just about you know the the way they're going to have to vet. You know, five years ago, if you you know had the ability to write a check, you could get a seat at Wind Up, right? And there are a lot of these you know smaller brands. Um, not only is it now harder to get into wind up, but I think the vibe of the show was different, right? Rather than having 30 brands with, you know, two person tables and a, and a drop on the front, you're getting, you know, these boutique style arrangements, you know, sort of, yeah watches and wonders light type of displays you talked about the fortis display and the the yeah i've never seen anything like fortis before at one of these shows i mean it it was a whisper of a watches and wonders booth but it was the same idea like we we are using a space as a boutique you're entering into the i mean they had large um kind of display towers that kind of formed (coughs) that squared off that corner right I've never seen something. It's it was very cool. Um, Chris Ward had a similar vibe, but kind of all against one wall. Uh, I I I don't not want to see that, but you know I I do shed a tear for that smaller brand, more intimate setting. Which is not to say you know the people who were there, Andreas Bentele. Um, I think you, uh, the owner. Of Fortis was there, so you're still getting a really cool experience, even with those bigger brands. You know, Mike Pearson was for, there from Zodiac, Josh Shanks, who's and VJ Geronimo, who are kind of the marketing, and then the CEO Americas for Oris. They were both there. You're getting a really intimate experience, despite the size of their booths, but it is at the expense of those uh, smaller brands. You know, the smaller brands that were there are very successful smaller brands. We're talking about Notice, Brew. Um, Astern Banks, uh, you know, fairer to an extent, which is kind of teetering towards the success of Chris Ward. Um, so the small brands that were there were brands that had proven themselves. Um, and with a very few exceptions, um, you know, a couple of brands that were betting on themselves. Is that problematic <laughs> for kind of the identity of wind up to, to transition from being this kind of hotbed of up and comers, this place where you get to show up and be like, Hey, I'm here and I'm ready to party tending toward 
watches and wonders light. I I see that as problematic. Or at least a I, bummer. You know, yeah, I would say a bummer, right? I think that it is, you know, problematic would be, you know, they have big brands, right? They have G-Shock, they have Oris, they have Zodiac. Um, downstairs, they've got a literal quadrant of Citizen Watch Group brands, right? Citizen, Bulova, Accutron, Alpina. Um, outside of the, and Fortis is a larger brand, but I don't, so, you know, Citizen Watch Group, I think, is the largest producer of wristwatches in the world, right? Um, among Across all its brands. Um, and so, you know, I think with Oris and Zodiac, you still have, those are kind of, they, they're kind of a mixed market between mass market and enthusiast driven pieces. And I mm-hmm. think more and more it's enthusiast driven pieces. Um, you know, Fortis has always been kind of an in the know brand. Um, I think we're not at the point where it's um, a problem, but it is kind of a bummer, right? It's a bummer because I think Worn and Wound was founded and the wind up watch fair started as a place where you could see all these kind of up and coming small brands. Oh, it's where um, they made their announcement. I mean, if, if, if without wind up, without that kind of environment, I don't think we have brew. I don't think we have notice. Right. I don't think we have brands of that ilk. I don't, we, you know, I could go on forever on yeah, brands this, like the that. Sea Ranger, the Sea Ranger <laughs> was the Cinderella of wind up, you know, whatever. Yeah. 2018 or whatever. And that was, yeah. Andrew had been making watches for, years at that point and that was sort of oh, his yeah. coming out party right and so w- with that said I, Andrew I, I not to pick on you I, I think I agree with Mike it, it's it's a bit of a bummer I think for those of us that that long for that but I think that there's I, 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 a I think evolution is natural for a company like uh, Warner Run and I'm, I'm so happy for those guys uh, you, you know these are, are fellows that I've known for years and that company is just really turning into an amazing big company Uh, but i do think that it creates i think it creates room for shows like district time to yeah you know come out and say hey we're we're doing that still right it's not Mm -hmm. gone um it's here right check us out and and, you know district time obviously washington dc that's not super accessible for for everybody but you know maybe you you know maybe you know notice is doing their um Oh boy, what do they call it? The that LA event. What did they call it? Uh, Con- connects, connect, connect, uh, inter, inter, intersect. Sect. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, yes. So, yeah. but, but it, there's this room now for folks to sort of come yeah, I mean, out. You've and- got, you've got Microlux, which is Chicago. I want to say <coughs> Austin and LA yeah. now. Yeah, you've got Intersect. You've got District Time, and you know I am offended as a at least DC adjacent resident, you know, everybody knows that Washington DC is the Geneva of America watch capital of the country. <laughs> that's what I always say yeah. that that's, it is known, but, but it is that they are filling a gap. Um, and you know, I, I've been to much like wind up. I go to, and it's much more convenient, but I go to district time every year. I'm very good friends with Lauren who runs it. Um, I've helped him out with the show. You know, that's a vibrant, it's a much, much smaller show, but it's a vibrant show. And those 
brands are just as excited to be there. And you have some of the same brands, right? You've got Notice and Laurier and Formex are there. Um, and then occasionally some other brands that show up that it, that cross over. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's then the brands that are smaller than those brands, not and none bigger. Right. right. So it is a, but they're covering those bases that um, wind up has left unoccupied. One of the things we talked about after New York was what we perceived at the time to be probably the beginning of a trend, but brands like the James brand um, were featured at wind up New York. And, and it seemed like wind up is going to expand and they're going to, going to have <clears throat> more of an EDC presence. Um, and, and I understand that, that that came true here at San Francisco. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so if you came in, um, so San Francisco is kind of, it, it's this building with a side en- double door side entrance, and you walk in, and the double door side entrance is right in the middle of the side of the building. So you can either turn right or left. So left is kind of where all the watch brands are, and then the stairway staircase upstairs, right? And then uh, to the right, uh, what you had was what they called EDC Alley. So you had Standard H, Estabrook, Triple Aught Design, um, giant mouse knives, and then, uh, Grant Stone, uh, shoot the shoemakers, um, which I, I just look at and then sob that I'm never going to buy a pair. Um, (laughs) so that's, uh, you know, knife, knife design clothing and this New York based pen company that makes, you know, really cool pens. I I know somebody who bought uh, one of the pens and he also bought a knife. Um, I know, you know, uh, my buddy Neil that I mentioned earlier bought a, uh, like a kind of almost a soft, soft canvas work shirt from standard H and I, I chatted with the standard H guys. So they are yeah, they're great. putting in and reserving some space for this EDC community that has been, you know, obviously for a long time exploding, but on watch sites and especially worn and wound, you know, they have, I think like their toolkit. Uh, sub-series. Um, EDC is really big, I think, for those the people that work for Worn and Wound and just for the Worn and Wound community. So they're kind of tipping their hat to that um, and inviting these various brands. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's cool. And I think it adds diversity. You know, when I posted up on Instagram, you know, uh, any questions, you know, somebody said, show me the stuff that wasn't watches, yeah. right? Because that's, I think, if you're not in that community, it's harder to keep up with, right? Well, and and I think um, you, you that know, also happened to be where the open bar and the lounge was, so it was a triple nice area. <laughs> so no wonder people are buying knives. Like, fuck, I'm hammered, yeah. and I want that yeah. knife. I, I think it's really, you know, everybody who's been in this community for longer than a minute knows that nearly everybody in the community has some sort of EDC tilt, right? And it's 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 different right. for for different folks, but you, you know. Everybody, you know, one of our one of our segments on the show, other things is all, you know, very often an EDC item, right? You know, oh, I picked up this pocket knife, or I picked up this this pouch, or or whatever. So it, it's it's a really organic. I think it's a really organic crossover. Well, it's more than adjacent, right? A yeah. watch is EDC stuff. Yeah, that's a thing you put on every day. It's intentional. It's curated. Right. It's it's more than adjacent. 
and 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 you you had good thoughts about the brands that they had and the owners and felt good watches or edc i mean everybody you know that's i think that's one of the what differentiates these small shows and i say small relative to siahh or or watches and wonders i should say and geneva watch week where you know it those are really industry events these are enthusiast events right same for district time microlux intersect right these are events where individuals watch enthusiasts can talk directly um, in almost every single case to the person who owns the brand, right? Um, Chris Ward brought uh, damn near their entire staff. I mean, there was, uh, I think they had seven or eight people there, uh, wow. Mike France included, Will Brackfield, uh, who's their, one of their lead designers, um, Jorg, who is their head technical officer chief technical officer whatever he's their york um yeah, he's their york for sure yeah the guy uh my favorite name of the show declan strange and who De- is their the head of their showroom in england and he's terrific um, he's yeah. a terrific fellow he, he is great um olivia who is one of their salespeople, who's just absolutely one of the nicest people i've ever met um so just this incredible team but uh and and all of them are just eager to talk love the product and, and, you know, one of the things that stands out is it's not just about their brands. That Almost everybody there themselves, almost every brand owner and person there is friendly with, you know, half the other brands is watch enthusiasts themselves because that's the nature of these small brands, right? Um, they love the other brands. They love the event. Um, so, you know, I think I didn't have a negative experience amongst any encounter I had, uh, peers or brand owners. And that's been consistent every single show I've been to. Was Fears there? Nicholas Bowman Scargill was present. He was co-located with uh, Collective because Collective is actually the U.S. is the only U.S. AD. Oh, no, that's not true. I think Toppers is, but Collective is an AD for them. Um, and they actually have several ADs uh, in the U.S. I, I misspoke, but Collective was there with uh, some of their collabs, but among them, uh, the Fears uh, line, really, uh, and their collabs. Um, and so he was at their booth, kind of, and he told me, you know, I am not here selling, per se. I am here as a guest of Collective to kind of add a little bit, right? So he did not bring anything. He just showed up. Were, were you wearing your dandy self? Your fears watch when you walked up to him and said, "Nicholas, hello." I I was not. I did not bring my fears watch. I certainly should have. That was a real uh, missed opportunity. We, we did talk about it, and he said surprisingly that he was surprised. The fears archival, um, though certainly not their newest piece, um, really in design or release date, uh, was the most popular watch amongst the fears they had on display because it and, is which is, rightly so because it's their very best watch and the best watch at the show oh, as i own it it is <laughs> phenomenal it caused some like consternation for me i well, mean i was right next to you i yeah. saw you shaking you you watched it happen yeah some of my pants get a took little a picture <laughs> well what were some of us walk us through some of your highlights of the show because we've talked about we talked about the vibe we talked about the city we talked about the edc uh, yeah. But there was a bunch of cool shit that kind of 
was announced in that the wind up week. Uh, what were you? What were some of your favorite favorite things you saw so, or touched? I or? mean, I think the the biggest release that was there that people were seeing was on the ground floor was Christopher Ward the Twelve. That's right? so cool. Their integrated bracelet. It's gotten a lot of flack and a lot of love. And usually from the same people in the same sentence. Um, I'm one of those people, right? Yeah, in a silo, it is a absolutely beautiful watch. I tried it on. It's available in steel and titanium. The dials are incredible. Maybe the only problem is the dials are so um, textured that the indices don't stand out um, as much as they would on a flat, flatter dial, right? That, but, I mean... Who cares? Because that dial is wow, and it's purple, and it's a good purple, which is so rare. Um, really beautiful watch. Talking to them, I, I said, you know, I said to Jorg and Will, because I'm a bit of a dick and willing to say these things, I, I said, you know, guys, I, this is a beautiful watch. I love how it wears. I love how it looks. On and on. It doesn't look like a Chris Ward. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And they said, you know, this is a design we like, and sometimes it's just that simple. Right. And I, I said, well, okay, that's, I can't, there's no criticism for that. Right. Yeah. That's the best answer. I mean, so there are, you know, that, that's one facet of it, you know, and I think comparisons have been rightly drawn to the Chappic Antarctic. And I do believe that, you know, it, it's, this is not, it's not open, overtly public information, but it is stuff you can find out. Um, you know, one of their designers is also a designer for Chappic right. and was and, involved with the Antarctique. And so there's right? some obvious crossover there. Yeah. The, yeah. There's, there's some, some obvious, obvious crossover, but you know, design the price idea. Point, and, and there are, it, it's a silhouette crossover, right? There are, there are a lot of nuanced differences. And I also think you have to understand in steel, this is a sub $1,000 watch, which That's I didn't realize nuts. when I got to the show. I, for, for that value, it is an absolutely incredible watch. So, so I've, got, that I've, was got this at, I've got this at 1225 It's because right? it's on a bracelet. Oh we always yeah, price yeah, yeah. Christopher Ward on rubber because their bracelet's 300 bucks and it's totally worth it. But on rubber, sub-1,000. <laughs> got it. Sub-1,000, which, I mean, which is crazy, right? But even at even at twelve, whatever, right? What a, I mean, the finishing is incredible. The dial is incredible. The, it wears perfectly. I mean, it is. It, it's an exceptional watch. How did it feel in titanium? Light. You're welcome. Un, unsurprisingly, <laughs> thank you. I, yeah. I I really appreciate. I'm sorry. Lighter insane. than the steel is that oh, more helpful? <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, it, the the finishing. I you know I I hear because titanium hear brands, finishing is hard. Titanium well, so finishing is often like it's it's brushed, neat, cool. Yeah, brands brands keep saying titanium titanium is finishing is hard, but then I keep seeing titanium finish finish titanium watches that are not just bead blasted, right? Mido has one. Um, you know, Rolex, that uh, smaller micro brand that couldn't make it to the show. Um, <laughs> they they didn't Ward make the list. What do you want? <clears throat> right. And, and, and those are three of the three I can remember right now. 
But in fairness, in yeah. fairness, the titanium on the bracelet, $1,900. I will say one thing about the titanium version of this. Uh, they only have the ombre dials. And right. and I'm, I'm a no on that. Like, give me a regular dial. I don't yeah. like an ombre dial, especially this dial I don't like in an ombre. But that's I'm nitpicking, obviously. No, that's a reasonable no. critique. That's not nitpicking. I, I don't like it. I, I, I'll tell you, there's a couple times companies have done this where they made decisions to do one thing with one thing. And I thought, well, I want, I want that thing with that thing. The other one I remember was Orion releasing the, the, the Hellcat with the maroon dial in brushed and the black dial in sure. blasted. And you know, er, that was early enough in the process that I reached out to Nick and I said, Hey, can I do the black dial with the brushed finish? And he did it for me, but I don't think he's doing that anymore. I, you know, it, so it's like you get, you, you get the design choices. Sometimes that feels a little bit arbitrary, right? But that's also kind of product design. Like how often do you get to say, well, I want that LG TV in this size, and not in this size or like that. That's just, Did they make it in all those sizes, but that's just, that's consumer goods, right? Bad we, example. <laughs> yeah. It, they it was actually a, it was just a, make that TV in every size. I, that you it was can a watch. bad example, uh, but it's, it's, it's rare that we get to look, you know at, what it is. It, it's the car trim packages. Well, but I want, yeah. But I want the sport wheels without the <coughs> navigation system. Oh, you can't do that. No, that's not. Sorry. You have to build it yourself, and then it's $20,000 more. But that's yeah. the, I just want to change the wheels. No. Yeah, we, we only well, have that, the turbo in this glacier white and this black, and yeah. you can't have the, the green that you want. You yeah. can have it painted yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. It, that's consumer <coughs> goods. We, we get design choices, and we get pigeonholed. I, I will say that decisions. the ombre that you see on these renders and stuff, it is not quite that dramatic. Um, it, it is, you know, it, it's more of a bright purple fading to dark purple with a black chapter ring. It, it's very nice. Because the renders look hard black to purple. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and maybe if you, you know, shot it dead on, that's not how we wear watches, and so like it, you kind of it's constantly playing with the light, and there is a shimmer to the dial that the renders do not capture, and that that's also a, so. a thing that Christopher Ward does really well is is capture color that you're never looking at the same dial. What what else, Mike? You we've got a list of quite a few watches here that that we kind of yeah thought we might talk about. Uh, so obviously, let me, let me stay. Go let ahead. me stay on the first floor. Um, a quick note on the Accutron DNA. So this is the, not the kind of remake of the Space View, which verges on unwearable because they literally took the same lugs and case shape and just sh shoved that new movement in it. This is the one, this is the DNA model, which is the same movement, but with a case befitting the new movement. Um, it is, it's really cool. And the movement is, I, I won't dive too deep. There's a lot of explainers online. How it works and what it does is a little bit like magic. It's kind of a blend of a Citizen EcoDrive, a Seiko Kinetic, and sort of a Grand Seiko like Spring Drive. So 
and it's just a cool, super futuristic. It's kind of like a roided out version of the Bulba curve, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is the this super sleek modern movement. So that was cool. And it's one of um, the most comfortable watches I've ever worn. If the curves weren't the all DNA. so oh, the ugly, curve. they are <laughs> so comfortable. They're the best wearing watch I've ever worn. Yeah, they, this guy almost bought one so, in Mexico. They're just the, ugly as sin. The final one on the first floor was Vero. So Vero, I'm I'm wearing one of their old um, SW stainless steel. Um, that were one of the ones went back when they were manufacturing everything in the U.S. Um, aside from the movement, um, extremely comfortable. So Vero uh, last year put out the Workhorse Chrono, which is this chunky, outdoorsy, colorful um, watch that I, you know, it, it just it doesn't really look like anything else you've seen, right? Right. Um, they sort have tuna that. meets G-Shock yeah. meets tuna meets Safarni meets right. G-Shock meets um, Roll Cage, right? <laughs> or or maybe Roof Rack, because um, who knows? And so, right, you never know. They have expanded that uh, to a three-hander in uh, partnership with the United States Forest Service, which is. Uh, maybe not the United States' most exciting service. Uh, and so they've got four colorways. It's a 39-millimeter dial, but it's the same aesthetic. You've got crown on the left, kind of ear crown, so crown on the right for time, crown on the left for an internal bezel, and then a, a pop-a-color pusher for the power reserve because it's a Seiko kinetic movement. So four colorways that take inspiration from, you know, the Ranger uniforms, the Ranger trucks, uh, the Hot Shots uniform, um, and then the choppers that they use. So really excited to see those. 39, it, it they were very wearable um, and just really, really cool. Um, did, and did because they their is a little bit more my speed. Did they improve on the strap at all? That was my one may, big objection to the original workhouse horse. The, the I, strap was so bad, like felt worse than a cheap strap i i i kind of handled it was on and off quick they were fine i didn't in my very brief experience with one of them on my wrist uh notice that i hated it um but i also will say i never had the workhorse chrono on my wrist so i i can't compare anyway did did you get um, an opportunity to take a look at the new meridian i did um so uh the new Meridian is kind of they're they are bringing back uh, their Vero. I forget was it the they just called it the thirty six or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and they did a model that they did a collaboration with Worn and Wound on. Um, and that it, it's it's cool. You know, if you're familiar with the Vero thirty six, you're familiar with this watch. Uh, it's got a really cool stepped bezel. It's just a two tiered bezel um, instead of something sloped or rounded at all. It's just boom boom. So it. Uh, drops down a little bit. It's a very flat watch, then comes on a bracelet, uses actually the uh, Nodex micro-adjust clasp, right, right. which is cool. Um, always good to see uh, that getting used by other brands. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really cool piece. Uh, I think it's something, you know, it's smaller, 
but not too small. Um, it's a watch that's going to appeal to some people and not appeal to others. I think you know I think that's kind of Vero across the board, aside from their Open Waters uh, watch and maybe their SW, their newer SW line. But uh, you know they always kind of do stuff that isn't just like oh everybody's going to like this, the, right? It's got Meridian. a little bit of quirk, but it's it's not divisive. This Meridian feels a, a, like a bit of a return to Vero's uh, roots with the, yeah. with the dial colors and the, oh, the case structure. Even, I mean, yeah. It, yeah. I, I walked up to Chris and I, I said, "Oh, this is you're you're bringing back the old the old um the old thirty six models." He was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." We are. What next? So moving up stairs and th- these stairs, by the way, were in a corner and for the size of the show were not matched. You would expect like a double wide st- massive stairwell, like a high school stairwell. This yeah, was, fire uh, escape. It was <laughs> yeah, this was, this was slightly wider than a fire escape. And it was identified as an issue by almost everybody, all of the brands, though I didn't hear anything from anybody. It's else like the overly you know, steep the, stairwell up to the attic at grandma's house. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, quickly the Oris Kermit, is they had two of them there. I didn't try it on because I've tried that model on before. Uh, it's like a toxic sludge green, right? This yeah. Bright, and the whole Oris booth was draped in that green. They were <laughs> leaning into the Kermit. And there's right? they're only making, what, like a thousand of them? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be terribly hard to get those. You know, Oris isn't a brand... Oris isn't a brand that I'm aware of where people are like super eager to grab Ellie's just for a flip, right? Um, and this is a highly niche watch um, with probably not said, I'm, it, it, probably uh, not insignificant licensing fee. Yeah, probably not. I mean, listen, they're going to sell out, and and I say it's highly niche, but the reality is that Kermit, it, it's just a green watch, and one day of the month. Our old friend Kermit shows up, right? <laughs> Hello. Hi, guys. Kermit the Frog here on the thirty-first. Um, and so you know, I think people who just like the color might just buy that watch, right? And go, okay, well, you know, a weird Muppet shows up every once in a while, as they're wont to do, right? Um, so that that was that. Um. Let me see. Here we go. I'd like to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about the Notice Unity because I think the next one. Yeah, I think that's a really fun watch. I've seen this watch for well, I think I saw it the first time about nine months ago on Cullen's wrist. Uh, I think this watch is terrific. It's different than anything else I've ever seen, uh, but also very familiar and inoffensive. You you, you know, it's not. I think. I think you hit it on the head right there because I was thinking about this watch before the show and kind of since I've seen it, I, I saw it in New York as well. Um, it's since been put on uh, a fitted bracelet, um, not integrated, fitted, uh, fitted end links. Um, so it's got a really smooth, I, I didn't, I like it much more on the bracelet than I did on the strap that they had it on in New York. Um, but I think you hit it on the head because this watch continues what i think notice is known best for which is doing things that you haven't seen before 
that are simultaneously quite familiar. I think we saw that with the duality, mm-hmm. um, perhaps first and foremost. Um, I think uh, to an extent with the second generation Avalon, um, I think uh, it's definitely with the sector, right? Not o- the case, the dials on the sector, uh, the sector pilot, the sector field, right? This is this is Notice doing what Notice does best, which is different but familiar, right? And in that vein, this is a watch that is not for everybody. I'll be upfront. This is not a watch that really interests me as a buyer. Um, I'm not wild about the matching ceramic bezel, but that said... That is sort of the defining characteristic of the watch. That's the defining Mm -hmm. characteristic, plus the, you know, sandwich dial, which Notice loves, textured dial, which Notice loves, um, and it's that sandwich loom, which they kind of did for the first, you know, they were... One of the... Like on the cutting edge of, yeah. With the duality. That they introduced kind of with the duality, right. Um, And so it, it is exactly the kind of smaller, you know, dressy watch insofar it is as it is that that i would expect from them right um very creative very approachable not entirely for everybody but done really well it it comes uh, on the bracelet with their refined nodex clasp right um the one the one their first generation um after the stumbling block was uh it, it was just a matter, and I talked to Wes and Colin about this. It was just a matter of continuing to work with the manufacturer to dial in tolerances and understand. And this is something I've talked to them before about just pushing and pushing and pushing manufacturers until they get it right. Right. And, and you One know, that's, the they do a really yeah. good job with that. Um, yeah. They you, do you an know, exceptional job. I, I, I've witnessed, I've witnessed their ability to do that you know, working through them with, with projects they were working on or, or whatever. And so they do a really good job with that. And you can tell the products, you know, Andrew talks a lot about iterative releases. And in some ways, you know, their entire sector line is an iterative sequence. Um, right. But but you can tell the small differences that they make from watch to watch, release to release. They're always pushing those. Batch to batch. Yeah. If you buy a watch in January, it's not as good as the watch you buy in July, which right. is a little problematic, but also really awesome. I do have a question for you about the Unity. How do you feel about the date window and wheel? Because you are a notorious date window hater. Every time I see a date window, I wonder how you feel about it. Um, I'll tell you when I when I saw it, it, it is not something that stood out to me. You know, um, it's a good sign. It's it's got the sandwich layer with the loom frame, which I think is super cool. Yeah, that's um, I've not seen that you, before. You know, I I think they it's symmetrical. It it so for me date windows the worst offenders of date windows are date windows that are forced in and or afterthoughts. Two fifteen right? date this window. Is, how do you feel? What's that? <laughs> A two fifteen date window. Yeah, and <laughs> aneurysm. And, and this is, is not feeling. this is neither of those, right? No. It's it's not forced. And this it's is not an afterthought. I mean, it is color match date wheel. The date window is thoughtful. It's trapezoidal. Um, it's 
Uh, Which goes in line with the you, you know it, it, you could almost mistake it, it, it for a marker at at a quick glance. It matches the flow of the watch. I think too with the textured, more so the texture, which is this radiant um, grooving, if you will. Um, there, it almost wood like texture, right? Um, it matches those lines. If you had a square window there, it, you would have angles. They would be cutting against each other, but here it kind of flows with those lines. It, it's thoughtful. It's a well done date window. Um, does I don't not love that. I'm going to say I don't. The only thing I don't love about this watch is that te- texture dial. That's the only thing that I'm not wild about. I, it, they, they haven't yeah, changed this fair. since the prototype, and that was my only thought about this watch. I, said, I don't love that dial. It's got the that there's that company Stella. That makes terrific watches and the owners are super nice but their dials are marcella all, yeah yeah their dials are all like heavily textured and i'm like n- not even oh not even for a moment there's also that company grand seiko that would describe this as arctic birch bark <laughs> uh i when i saw these in new york i was totally smitten i'm kind of in the same boat you are i'm not a buyer for this watch this watch isn't for me but i'm absolutely in love with it yeah and I'm gonna buy. Um, I'm a buyer. I'm buying in pink. There you go. I can um, see that. Also upstairs uh, was the Astern Bank Sea Ranger Mark II. I think mm. he's calling it M2 or Mark II. So this was. This Same is. Ju- it, it looks nothing like the original Sea Ranger, but it's a beautiful watch. Andrew's great. He had four colors. This was the first time he'd kind of presented them all. I think um, he had these in New York too, and he was kind of showing people, but it was like kind of show it. Yeah, it yeah, was it was, was on like his real wrist, but he, they weren't showing. on display. Yeah, yeah, it was like inside then, the trench coat showing. One last one was the Argon. Uh, there's not a website. Yeah, I was going to say from tell the me same about guy. These. Yeah, so this is uh, if you, I think if they are on Instagram, um, this is futuristic watch design you know the app the aperture for the display it's a digital display not digital computer but digital like watch numbers are rotating right um this watch is not a watch that's necessarily about um telling the time it's more about art it looks like a spaceship on your wrist but a sleek sleek spaceship yeah this Um, is this is a star a star trek watch yeah, it's like a transponder, right? Yeah, yeah. Tricorder. Um, mm-hmm. Computer. Computer. <laughs> and so, uh, really, really cool. So this is from the same Guillaume Lade, who is uh, responsible for Nevada, um, as well as, uh, gosh, is it not Irene, as well as one or two other kind of zombie brand revivals. This is... I, I believe kind of his first foray into a brand new brand. And I think he knocked it out of the park. This is going to be a really, really cool watch. I think it's launching uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, maybe the 11th or the 14th, he told me. Well, Just I, a very, very cool watch. So I, I love this. Keep an eye out for. Mike, I love this type of watch. What do you know about this thing? Almost nothing. Because I saw him in passing... Um, as I was headed back downstairs um, to uh, get lunch or something. And uh, 
I saw it on his wrist, and I said, "Oh, is that the new arc? Is that the is that is that that new watch?" I didn't even I couldn't even remember the name. He said, and he's French. He said, "Arcon," and I said, "Uh huh." <laughs> that's not how you say it, bro. Listen, yeah, dude, it's Argon. <laughs> uh, so I I I know that the uh, carbon fiber is one of the cases, like the whole thing, and it's very cool. Um, I feel like this is kind of the watch they may wear on Krypton. Like Carl might have worn this, right? So, so for for what we're describing, they do have a website. It is welcomeargonwatches.com. Manufactured on Earth. It's important. Hardly. Jumping hour. Swiss automatic movement. Another important fact. Affire cockpit. Assembled in France. Starting at 1499 euros. So this is actually super yeah. affordable for the for what that is. Yeah. The it's, zone I mean, that this is kind of landing at in like that kind of Richard Mealy perhaps. But like super postmodern, not a watch, but definitely a watch design high fashion kind of zone. You, you know, there's another company that came out. I believe they're a Chinese company, Autowalk. I'm probably saying that wrong. Yep. But they make the yep. Atore and they released a a, wa- the, the Wandering Hour. Yeah. The Cobra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, so that's it. I think people are, I think they're brands that are jumping into that space. You, you know, I, I've thought about buying that Atore in the past because it's such a terrific watch. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it, and they're su- those are about the same price. I think maybe a little bit less. Uh, this is this is interesting. You, you know, the, one of the things about MBNF and Urwerk is you get these really insane movements, and, and you're obviously not getting that with AutoWalk. I don't know about Argon. Do you do you have any indication there? As far as the movement, yeah, you, you know, with, with you know, one of the things MBNF and, and Urwerk both do is they have these like one-off, crazy, complicated movements versus the Ottawalk, which I think it uses just an Eta movement, right? Like they're they're using a yeah, wh- where they've basically hint- linked discs to the right, um, you know, Canon pinion, and that's driving the disc i mean you know and and i think this is a brand that like Ottawalk, um like chris ward with the bel canto is demonstrate it is taking all of the things that super high-end brands used to use to justify their prices and saying not anymore mm-hmm. like this you, is you're not a doing three thousand dollar chiming watch this yeah. is here's doable eight hundred dollar wandering hour here's a you know, and you know, look at Horage, which is actually still Swiss. You know, they have an eight thousand uh, dollar Swiss-made tourbillon, right. right? So all of these small brands are figuring out um, through you know creativity or nice funding uh, how to kind of pull back the curtain, as it were, on these larger brands and super high-end brands. Um, speaking of which, one quick mention. I ran into Car- Carol Bachhand of Barrel Hand Watches. If you don't know these mm-hmm. watches, you have to check them out. He made 10. They were $30,000 each. They cost. They took seven years to develop. He basically built a, a cottage industry to produce the entire thing in the U.S. Um, this is a guy who, handma- who basically on his own 
disassembled and then built his own over 102 or something we got to um, see some just, prototypes of those yeah yeah, yeah. We, we got to see some of the parts vero actually did prototyping for was doing yeah. prototype manufacturing for those guys doesn't surprise so uh, take a look he is super chill down to earth another person he was just sitting in the lounge and i i recognized him i saw it on his wrist sat down chatted with him for like 30 or 45 minutes um anyway those are i you know kind of the highlights it's a great show anybody who can ever get to any of the windups i i cannot encourage it more um whispers of expansion possibly to london um you know that will help all of your internet european listeners i suppose um uh, of, I, of which there several are people many, asking actually. for several people actually asking for austin which i think would complete the United States Diamond. Austin as it would were. be such a great yeah. venue for yeah. this show. I'd go to that show. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I they they've got a lot of big things and they're only growing. And so, you know, adding another show is just gonna mean they're gonna be a couple more brands that can participate. Um and that's a good thing. So with that said, Andrew, other things, what do you got? Here we go. This, this is something I've talked about before, but I'm going to re-highlight it. I'm going to bring it back to everyone's consciousness because I've been using it a lot. It's a sous the cooker. You, you, you can't repeat. I'm going to repeat. Can I say that I've been on this show maybe three times, and <clears throat> to be hit with a repeat... I, Insulted is the word I'll go. I'll I did Andrew it. talk about a sous vide when you were on the show before? I, it, I you know, it's so. entirely possible. I, I, I'm that clouded be by so, being so, so offended. What I, 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 I <laughs> relish your offense. In fact, I'm going to double down. And after this, I have another other thing that I'm going to repeat. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Get to it. A sous vide cooker. So I've been using my sous vide quite a bit recently which is also in conjunction with a vacuum sealer but i gotta say i made i made uh rib steaks tonight which are rib on ribeyes i threw them in the sous vide and just let them cook 129 degrees two hours they just sat in there and i threw them in the pan two and a half minutes on each side they were perfect yeah. Season them in the before you hit them in the bag. Seal them up. Throw them in the bath. Pull them out. Season them. Throw them in the pan. Dude, they like. It is the most industry correct way to cook a steak. There is just no better way. Yeah. There's. I've. I've had. And, and and it's and there's no better way to get it. Like it's the it's the lowest margin or the highest margin of error way to cook it right because yes with the sous vide you get it at that perfect temperature and then all you need to do is have a pan that's hot enough not to cook the shit out of it exactly i, I had tri-tip uh, about two or three weeks ago out of a sous vide and that's what he did he he had the whole tri-tip in a vac seal bag in the sous vide for a few hours like let everything get tender broken down then he rubbed it and he threw it on the on the grill you fucking torch it as high as as hot as you can so he has one of the gravity series uh grills and he had it at max heat it was like 750 yeah and he just threw it on and just like fire to sear the outside it was perfect it was like prime rib 
Yeah. Perfect. It, and here's the thing. So I, I'm using an Anova, an old which is, generation Anova, which is kind of sort of the, the industry's knees. Yeah, it's the thing. There are <coughs> Anova units for 100 bucks right now. It's Mother's Day sales because people assume that these are only for moms. This is very much a dad's tool, I think. This is a... Moms can use it too. Yes. This is adjacent a tool. to grilling kind of cooking. They're, they range from about 300 bucks to about 100 bucks on the Anova website. There's a hundred brands out there. I like Anova. It's got a Bluetooth capability. As long as it's connected to my Wi-Fi at my house, I can go through the app and affect my unit. Wherever from, from wherever, yeah, wherever, wherever I am. Work. So, if, so I have to adjust cooking temperature halfway through. That's totally fine. This is the way to cook beef. You just reminded me I need to run my backyard sprinkler. Light it up. <laughs> this is the way to cook beef. I'm going to just link to Anova. They've got a great recipe book if that's something you're interested in. I love this unit and they've gotten tons smaller. So the ones that I, the one that I have is probably 30% larger and half again as powerful as their current equivalent model makes me think I should just get a new one. (laughs) Well, you you know, that's the trick with these things, right? Is you've got to know when to, when to upgrade. And I might be in the window because I use a five gallon kettle. I don't use their like Nova little plastic don't you don't thing. need that you i use a five gallon kettle it works great if if you haven't somehow I, I think this is kind of like adjacent to the air fryer craze and i think you can get by without an air fryer you can pass on that i do think that now is the time to get down with a sufi i'm here for it my Zach. What do you got? I have an air fryer. I'm ready for it. Air fryer. (laughs) A ninja air fryer. Thanks thanks for having me. Ninja air fryer trash. Ninja (laughs) air fryer trash, yeah. Um, I've had this for a while, but I just used it on my trip to San Francisco and loved it again. Um, It's one of those hemorrhoid pillows. Yeah, it is. Uh, But but weirdly enough, it's it's also a dop kit. Oh. A toiletry bag, if you will. Um, so my process for buying things, insofar as I'm able to do this, as you guys also know, um, this I did this when I got a camera bag. Um, I buy, you know, six or seven versions. Your wife must try them hate all out, you. and then return the ones I don't like. Yeah, right. I, I, my wife um, would not tolerate that. I did that with. <laughs> toiletry bags i had had a zipper square that zipper rectangle that was like felted it's a terrible toiletry bag yeah no Um, no felt on a toiletry bag do you have the one that that. hangs in the shower no 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 no. those are garbage for garbage people um so (laughs) i i wanted something that was as compact as possible zipper um in some sort of color that could hold all of my various things um uh, I, I don't travel with a lot, but I travel with more than, uh, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste. Um, so 
I ended up with the Bellroy toiletry kit plus in bronze. Um, it ju- it you know it has magnetic closures for some things and zippers and it, it just has all the little slots and slips and zips that I needed. Right. The saga of en- ending up with this was I I think I landed on ordering three different bags, um, one from Briggs and Riley, uh, which was fine but the footprint was too large uh one from peak design which was i like that one i like it it worked but it is it's it takes up a considerable amount of volume the larger model that they have and that and and it can't be compacted like it because it's kind of a shell it's structured yeah it is that size so the bellroy you know if i don't fill it to the gills I can push it down a little bit, so it fit in my bag. It fits in my bag perfectly, kind of no matter what the situation. Um, but you know, I had to return the peak in the Briggs and Riley, and so at the time I had a ball watch in for review, uh, and I had those packages next to each other, ready to go, and I took the labels out, and I sure did put them on the wrong boxes, <laughs> and so the. Uh, I get a text three days later from the PR rep for Ball. <laughs> uh, two phone calls, which I ignored because I was like, I don't know who this is. And then a text it's saying, from hey, so-and-so. Number. Yeah. Um, so-and-so, uh, the guy who I sent it to, who was, it was going on to for further review, he's wondering, um, do you know why you might have sent him a DOP kit? From Briggs and Riley. And so about a day and a half or two of panic ensued where I was desperately trying to figure out how do I intercept this watch, um, this $3,500 watch. Uh, you know, the guy was nice enough. He just sent the dop kit back to me. That was not the problem. So That was nice of him because I would have kept it. Was it was nice of him. Yeah, w- fair. Um, it was a, like a ninety dollar dop kit, which it, it I not the it, price I would have put on it, it but it, that's what it keepers. was. Miners keepers, yeah, that's fair. So it was the the uh, at that time it was in Shamrock, Texas, which if you don't know is well known for its water tower and the um, a service station that was used as the model of Luigi's in Cars. I've been to, I've been um, to Shamrock, Texas, by the way. How is, is it? Is it is it great? Uh, it's tiny. That's what I'll say. It's a about place. It. It's, a, it's place. a place. Yeah. They were they the FedEx people and Briggs and Riley were both like, "Don't worry, this happens. We'll put a note in." It got bounced back. It came back. You know, uh, the PR rep had a very subtle veiled threat. Was you know, as long as this, uh, I don't see see a reason to uh, involve Ariel, the founder of a blog to watch. You know, as long as this uh, gets back to the guy we need to get to. I was like, oh, okay then. I guess I'll make sure this happens. So all ended well, but two two or three solid days of panic. And real diarrhea, um, I imagine. Yeah. And what? And real diarrhea. That nervous diarrhea. I, yeah. Yeah. The shakes. That comes with the shakes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my other thing is the exceptional Bellroy toiletry kit plus Everett, will you share with me and, your... And the service of the FedEx folks in Shamrock, Texas, of which a town of which I've also been through. 
Didn't yeah. know. Uh, it's that small. You wouldn't know. It it's it that that what they did put me at ease. I'll tell you what, the Briggs and Riley and the and the FedEx people, very nice. Should have kept the Briggs and Riley. I will. I will share with you my other thing, but first I want to ask you Thank a question you. about your dop kit. I, yeah, did you, I have all the answers. Did you by any chance review or check out or test the nutsack dop kit? Because I've been in the market and that is the one I've got my eyes on. It's a waxed canvas model. I... It's a I little pricey, which is the thing that that is I'm yeah, slightly so opposed to. I think I set myself a $100 limit. And it's just and over that. It's and just over. Six. And looking at it, not not the style I was looking for. I want Ideally, I wanted a zip-top kind of a opening clamshell, sure. if you will. Um, you know that, yeah, th- this is, this was, and this is just not a style I would get. So I, I did not. And you know that Re- is recently I a, bought a, a zipper and an and an opening. And recently a pocket, right? I bought a briefcase and you said you said when I bought it you said Everett I love that briefcase for you. <laughs> That's yeah. And I love this bag for you. The the problem is this bag doesn't have pockets. I I wanted It's pretty minimalist. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty minimalist. It's got it's got the one pocket. Oh okay. Well fair. I, I like the angle zipper on on your choice because it gives you all the volume you need, which is frequently lost in a straight across, like bisectional, yep. bisecting zipper. These people think of everything. But <clears throat> Everett, I'm tired of this dup kit talk. What? Tell me your story. So, o- over the last two years, um, we're in the beginning of the third year now, I guess. I have been on a mission to establish my yard tool pruning kit wow. and i and i started is that a euphemism no it's not it it's oh, for literal so i ha- was I, what i've been trying to do is get the best tools that you can get for various yard work and so i started with i think a very obvious with a very obvious category and i bought pruners and i looked a long time i checked out a lot of different pruners and I went with a Japanese company called ARS. ARS is a company that you may not have heard of, but they make perhaps the best pruners you can get. I got the VS8Z pruners, which are kind of their simple go-to model. I've now been using those for two years, and I freaking love them. They're incredible and wonderful. And then last year, I, I'm, so I'm doing this one tool at a time because none of these are cheap. They're not particularly expensive either. Last year, I got a saw. I needed a saw, a just an everyday pruning saw. And I, again, another Japanese company called Silky. And I purchased the Silky Gomboy Curve, which is well-known in EDC communities. A lot of people use these for their EDC kits or their, you know, camping hiking kits their bug out bag their bug out bag that's right so this is a it's essentially like a a 13 inch pocket knife construction with a locking blade but it is a wonderful wonderful small saw that's what it is it's basically a small pruning saw i've used the hell out of both of these 
this year was the big year. This year, and I knew it was going to be the big year because I knew these were going to be the most expensive items in this three this three part kit. But I needed a pair of loppers, and loppers because they're bigger or more expensive. Now I've had a number of different types of loppers over the years. I've had cheap loppers. I've had uh, you know, sort of the like big box Fiskars loppers that you can get, which are, are fine and, and good even, but I wanted something better. And so I went with a Swiss company. It's a company that landscapers use. This is w- one of those companies, buy it for life type of companies. I went with a company called Felco out of Switzerland and I purchased the Felco 21 two-handed trimmer. So the famous entry in this category is the 24 the earth felco 22 which i think is like a 34 inch pruner which is too big it's too big for what i need it's got a giant blade and they're for they're like serious pieces of equipment i didn't need anything quite that big so i went with a slightly smaller a 24 inch two-handed pruner called the felco 21 these things are replaceable blades full aluminum bar construction fantastic handles ergonomic like you can buy every part of this thing straight from felco and replace the broken down part so you know the rubber guards so this is a true buy it for life type item i received them about two weeks ago and i immediately went under the yard and started cutting things even things that i probably didn't need to cut that kim was like why did you cut that because i can I was like, because look at these pruners. Did you, did you drift a little bit into Andrew's yard? Uh, I haven't yet. I but wish you would. Yeah. I have a lot of bamboo yeah. to deal with. <laughs> I think I got for the average homeowner the very best two-handed lopping pruner that you can buy. And having used a number of loppers, I have never handled a tool that felt this much better than the average thing you get. I'm, that's a little, I'm being a little bit over the top, right? But it was just instant. I pulled it out of the package and I was like, I did it. I got the best tool that you can buy. Now these aren't cheap. They're 173 bucks on, I think on Amazon. A uh, little bit more expensive if you buy it from Felco. Felco is $201.27. And I think I got them from 175 on. So this is this is not a... This is not a flyer yard tool purchase. No, you don't you can get loppers for twelve dollars. That's right. You, or, or like twelve bucks at Harbor Freight or thirty bucks at Lowe's, right? And they're probably going to work just fine, frankly. But it's just not how I buy things. It it was instantly apparent to me, running around the yard, cutting things, dog tails and kid fingers and tree branches, that. I have got the best tool, which is one of those things that brings me joy. It brings me joy to have the best tool. And, and, and in fairness, 173 bucks. It's it's not like uh, what's the name of that uh, power tool company that makes the they make the alternative to biscuits. It's Swiss. They're all green, or it's German. They're all all Bergeon. No, no. Anyway, <laughs> there's going to be 800 people listening to this podcast yelling at their uh, stereo right now. There is a German company that makes very, very high-end mechanical tools uh, that you find on YouTube all the time. But they're just like cobalt, twice as expensive as anything else you can get. This is the same, right? Felco makes the tools that you buy at Lowe's, 
that look and better operate functionally the same, but are just better. It's the same kind of deal. And I love it. This entire time, all I've been able to do is imagine you outfitted like all of the Ninja Turtles in one with leather straps with different implements just Mm. locked in, ready to attack your lawn. What you're missing is that he only wears chainsaw chaps. Yeah. When he does yard work. Mm, that's just weird because he doesn't like use that. or need a chainsaw, but that's what he wears only. Festool. That's the name of the company. Festool. They make very high end routers and uh, jointers and yeah, very high end shit. Festool is extremely expensive. I'll be posting pictures of Everett and his chaps. Yeah. Gentlemen, that's all Sounds I got. Good. That's all I got. The, the Felco F21. If you want the best loppers on earth, I found them. You should buy them. For residential use. That's right. Well, if you want the best on earth, get the 22s. And yeah, you'll be able to cut all of the things on your 30-acre farm down. I'm intrigued because I don't like the exertion of cutting even like two-inch branches. Well, you live close enough. You can borrow them anytime you like. We'll just trade. Mike Razak. Thanks for joining Everett. us. Is there anything you want to is there anything you want to say before you go? You want to plug what you're doing? Uh, I mean, you can see I'd say 95 <laughs> 99% of my writing on a blog to watch. Are you going to be adding um, more reviews to a blog to watch? I am. I really appreciate you asking that. You know, we have uh upwards of 3700 now in the back catalog, uh but it's light. It's light. It's not enough. Um, so by tomorrow, I'm hoping to get that up to 5,000. Well done. Well done. I think you can do it. Are you on call tonight? Because if you are... I'm not. Th- I'm, oh. Yeah. If you were, I think but, you would be there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, maybe... Two, maybe I'll give myself a little bit more time. Maybe two days. Andrew, what do we want to add before we go? I think I'm out of things. Well, hey, you guys. Thank you once again for joining this episode of 40 and 20 the watch quicker podcast we want to thank we want to thank mike you can find him on instagram at mike's what got watches you can find us at watchclicker.com that's where we post articles reviews and and of course every single episode of this podcast you can find us on the socials in particular instagram at watch clicker or at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker if you want to support us and this is the important bit folks we really hope you want to support us because we make very little money and everything is expensive. You can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where we get all of the money for hosting and hardware and software. All of you are supporting us. We appreciate you so much. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.